Hello, this is Reverend Erich I'm glad to come to you through this medium. As you listen to the word of God today, I pray that you will be impacted, your life will be transformed, and you experience God. Kingdom blessings. Good evening. We want to give praise to God for the opportunity to be here. I'm not taking it for granted that you found the time to be here with us. And uh, my goal this evening is to ensure that you get something out of this. Um, I'm not just going to teach. I'm going to give you information that I believe will be useful, practical, and applicable, directly applicable to your career and uh, specifically your business. So um, I want you to relax, but I would want you to listen attentively. Um, The slides will be on the screen, and uh, if you can, take down some notes. Um, I would also make the slides available for your island. You have a platform, so you can actually access it after the meeting. But I want you to fasten your seat belt because I'm going to give you some set of information which can be transformed into set of skills that I believe would help you to achieve your goals and your objectives as far as your business and your career is concerned. I would want to thank uh, Pastor Eric for this opportunity to be here with you and also to be a blessing to you. Um, I share an equal passion like Pastor Eric does. I believe that we are not only supposed to be spiritual, but we are also supposed to be very, very astute in the marketplace and reign in the marketplace as it is, have total control. Uh, Sometimes you realize that if we knew what we were doing and understand the privileges that we have in the marketplace and really had the skill it took to be able to take advantage of the opportunities that we uh, actually met with, then I believe that we would have done much more, not just for ourselves, but making an impact on the landscape of Christianity across board. And so today I'll be dealing with managing yourself and business through crisis. I think that there is no question about the fact that um, I do go on uh, Ghana web almost every day. I read news. Some of them are satiric in nature. Others are quite serious. But I think that over a while, uh, over some time, now, probably from the beginning of the year, as far as probably February, um, the whole issue has been on to do or not to implement, to sign or not to sign, to pass or not to pass E-Levy, and all its concomitant problems and challenges that brought I know that sometimes we are easily polarized, um, uh, polarized with politics, so we don't even see things we are supposed to see, whether it's good or bad. We easily take sides before we actually think of whether the sides we have taken is right or wrong. So I'm, I'm going to do my best to stay away from anything that is politics. Obviously, I don't have a vote in Ghana. I'm not registered, but I'm a Ghanaian. So there are a lot of things that happen that I follow. I have my own uh, opinion about them, but I'm going to do very well not to go into any of those, but present you with sets of information, knowledge, that I believe will be very much applicable as far as managing yourself in a crisis is concerned. Now, Ghana may seem to have an economic crisis now, and I can tell you that Ghana is not the only country around the world at this time, in this post-pandemic era that has economic crisis. In the UK where I live, the Institute of Fiscal Studies have projected that by the end of the year, the UK will enter into a double-digit inflation. Now, the inflation rate is around 8 point something percent, which is quite high. According to them, it's, been, it's very high. For a very long time to come, they haven't experienced that kind of inflation. So Ghana is not alone. Everywhere is having their own kind of, of challenges one way or the other. But in spite of all that, when the challenges come, there must be a set of principles that we can actually follow in order to get ourselves out. Now, for those of us who may not have our own businesses or run businesses, 
you may be following a particular career path, but there are challenges that can actually derail your career trajectory just because of some of the things that you face along the line. So managing yourself and business through crisis. All right. So one of the things that we have to understand that in the life cycle of a person, a career, business, or economy, uh, there's usually a time of crisis at one point or the other. Now, those who read economic history will tell you that after every 10 to 20 years cycle, there is always a recession at some point in the world. World economies reset to zero and have to start again. There are reasons for that, but I'm not going to share it here because one of the things I was telling Pastor Eric, I had the privilege to do a bit of extensive reading and lecturing on international investments. And one of the things that I realized that everything around us in this world, apart from the word of God, is artificial. And for me, who believe in the word of God, trained in the word of God, when I see these things, it strengthens my faith because everything is artificial. People sit somewhere and set inflation rate. They sit somewhere and set exchange rate. They sit somewhere. Everything is man-made, apart from God's word. If you don't know, I mean, even why do we have the dollar as, there's something we call the gold standard. Why did they come about? You may hear in the news sometimes when people are having economic discussion, they'll talk about the Bretton Woods institutions and all that. How did that come about? It was artificial. President Nixon set up that meeting in Bretton Woods in the USA and said, we'll use the gold as the standard. So every country that has a lot of gold reserves, and at the time it was America that had a lot of gold reserves. So they used the dollar as their exchange rate and currency around the world for exchange and all that. Now it has shifted because America no longer has the largest gold. So China has now, and China is pushing that they will use their currency. There are a whole lot of politics. All these things around us, all that I'm trying to let you know is that everything is artificial apart from the word of God. Everything is artificial. So um, crisis, as it is, can be a time of growth or collapse, and it all depends on how it is managed. Three things that I want us to look at generally is that by the end of this particular presentation, we'll be able to identify the behaviors that are necessary to master a crisis, both on the level of personal development, on the level of business, and then also to be able to uh, find ways of strengthening your business in an economic downturn like we may be experiencing in Ghana and other parts of the world, and also to be able to look at some few examples of businesses that have been able to overcome economic, economic crisis of their own. All right, so I will share with you something that becomes the fundamental of what I want to talk about. The fact that the survival of every career or business is dependent on the internal strength that that career builds and that business builds, and not so much of the external pressures. And what I mean is that usually when the internal environment of a business is very strong, the external pressures and the external environmental factors cannot paralyze it. So when an economy is very, very strong, when your business has a very strong position in the market or on the market, it is difficult for the wider economic factors to crash it or to paralyze it altogether. You see, you can be presented with the same external environmental factors, yet you realize that in the same situation of crisis, there are some people and some business that manage better and make the most out of that same crisis. Now, one of the things I, I promise I will steer away from anything politics, but one of the things that I laughed, and I keep laughing, is that Sometimes you see on TV these politicians are saying, he levy, yes, he levy, no. Do you know that some of them, in spite of all the noise, they are making money by the day and by the hour? And they'll governize people to go and be making noise about it. No, he levy, demonstration. Whilst people are sweating in the sun making demonstrations, some people are making money. And I'm going to give you a statistic that will blow your mind. Check this out. In 2020, the kind of pandemic that the world experienced has never happened before. In terms of its economic weight, it has never happened before. 
But check what happened. In 2020, according to Credit Suisse, the number of millionaires increased by 5.2 million, which brought the total number of millionaires to 56.1 million. I'm not exaggerating this. You can cross-check this with Credit Suisse. This is well-documented data. In 2020, when there was a shutdown, everybody was in their homes. Millionaires were increasing. 5.2 million people became millionaires. In 2020, 1% of all adults worldwide became millionaires for the first time. When people were complaining, we are losing our jobs. What is this pandemic? We will put on masks. We won't put on masks. People were making money. Businesses were making money. The number of ultra-high net worth individuals, that is people who have $30 million and in excess in investment, increased by 24%. And it is the fastest rate since 2003. And you would think there's an economic downturn. Everything is shut down. The airports have been closed. Borders have been closed. But people were making money. The same environmental factors that were shutting down businesses, that were keeping people in closed doors, people were making money. People were becoming millionaires. The world's richest, that is the billionaires, saw their wealth climb by 27.5%, from 7.9 trillion to 10.2 trillion. 2020, in the middle of pandemic, the number of billionaires hit a new high from previously 2,158 to 2,189, an increase of 31 people, or 31 people became billionaires for the first time in 2020. So the point that I'm making is that if your internal mechanisms are strong, it doesn't matter the external environmental factors. You can still survive it. You wouldn't have to collapse. And that is the problem. Most of us don't build. Look at the map or the, 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 the graph we have on the screen right now. In 2020, and this is also from Credit Suisse, whilst we were in lockdown, Wealth per adult in the countries in the blue on the right, there were increases in wealth. In Switzerland, for instance, there was an addition of $65,000 of wealth added to just general across the country. I won't go so much into that, but you can see it on the screen. Those on the left lost some money, those that are in the red. What you see on the screen here is how the wealth grew. So in technology, wealth grew by 566% of yours because we're all indoors, we're using internet and buying stuff we didn't even need and just ordering, just retail therapy, just ordering, buying stuff. Whilst we're buying, we're making other people rich. Then in the health industry, it's obvious. People were selling PPEs and medicines, 548%. In the industrials, 377. Real estate, 340. You think people are at home, so people are enjoying. No one is buying houses. People were buying houses. In retail, 300%. In financial services, 229%. And the media, 204. There is not even one that is 100%. Now, the point that I'm trying to tell you here is that we may all be presented with the same kind of economic downturn, economic situation, but it, 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 what is all dependent on your locus of control. And I'm going to explain what the locus of control is as one of the behaviors that we need to develop as part of building the internal mechanism to withstand external environmental factors in order to make it in difficult times. So, in terms of the behavior, I'm going to give you two sets of behaviors, one for personal development and one for dealing with business development. Now, in terms of personal development, 
The first behavior that you need to develop has to do with switching your locus of control. When we talk about locus of control, it refers to how much a person feel or how much control a person feel they have of their own behavior. And there are two kinds of locus of control. We have the internal locus of control and we have the external locus of control. Internal locus of control believe that whatever they are in life is as a result of their choices, their decisions, their thinking patterns, and their mental framework that has produced what is around them. So more or less, they are a product of their own doing, their actions, decisions, choices, and so on. Then those that have the external locus of control are those who feel helpless. They feel that wherever they are is as a result of everything happening to them. And sometimes, I dare say, and I know I'm on social media, I dare say that a lot of us Ghanaians think like that. We are wondering, my business is not happy because the government is not fixing this, because the government is not doing it. But do you know that right here in Ghana, whilst you are complaining, government is not fixing, the government has not done the government, people are still making money. And it is in the interest of those who are making the money to keep watching you making noise. Because those who make noise are not the, the ones who count the money. Those who keep quiet and watch and strategize are the ones who make the money and count money. When you go to the bank, do you see a lot of people making noise? You don't see a lot of people making noise. When they are even counting the money, when they are tied, they put in the uh, uh, money counter, Krrr, it's done. You find people make, who make the most noise where? Around the trotro stations. That's the truth. That is the truth. So we need to be able to come to that place to understand and understand what kind of locus of control that we have. Are you thinking that you are a product of everything that is happening within your external environment? Oh, this is not working. That is why this is like that. If this should happen, even sometimes when we bring it personal, some people, oh, I, I am what I am because my father died early. My mother died early. But when after your mother died, your father died, what have you been able to do? We need to be able to come to that place, a behavior that must shift. We need to switch our locus of control. Because having the right locus of control will determine whether you build that internal mechanism that strengthens you and makes you possible, makes it possible for you to withstand environmental pressures that has the potential to make you collapse and fold up, whether it's with your career or whether it's with your business. Second behavior that you need to develop has to do with what we call, or I call, self-efficacy. Now, when I talk about self-efficacy, I'm talking about the belief in your own abilities. And this was a research that was undertaken and propounded by a man called Albert Bandura. For those of you who have studied psychology, might have come across this man. He did a lot of uh, behavioral studies in psychology. So when you do psychology of education, you find him in management, he's there. If you do a bit of research, you find what I'm talking about. He believed that self-efficacy is the belief in one's own ability to succeed in specific situations or, in, or to accomplish specific tasks. So... Your level of self-efficacy, whether high or low, simply means whether you have high belief in yourself or low belief in yourself. And I'm going to show you uh, some behavioral patterns of people who have high self-efficacy and those who have high or low self-efficacy. Now, for those that have high self-efficacy, they are the type that they always say, I can do this thing. Try me. Give me the opportunity, I'll do it. Even if you present a thing to them, they, they can't do it. They will try and find a way to do it. And these are the type of behavior they exhibit. They are very active. They select best opportunities. They avoid or neutralize obstacles. They set goals. They plan, they prepare, they practice. They try hard and persevere. They learn from setbacks. They visualize success and they go for it. Let's check out on those with low self-efficacy. The other type that says that I know I can't do it. Even if you give me all the tools, I will still fail. I can't do it. They are passive. They avoid difficult tasks. They develop low aspirations of themselves and have low commitment to anything. They don't even try to make, make a weak effort. They quit or become discouraged when the going gets tough. They worry. They experience stress. They become depressed. And they are always thinking about excuses to make for failure. Now, 
Having said this, if you own a business and you have people that you work with, and you realize that you have people within your team who have very, so, uh, very low self-efficacy, and you want to help them to develop uh, quite a moderate or optimum self-efficacy in order to make them more functional and contribute to the development of your business, then you as a manager has a responsibility that you need to follow. And a few of them, design the jobs you give to them in a way that it will boost their confidence to believe in themselves. If you give people who already don't believe they can do anything, too much difficult work to do, they won't do it. Or they will not do it well. And in the end, what happens? They don't achieve anything. And they will still, because they fail at it, they will still believe that they can't do anything. Train them. Develop them. Give them the skills they need to be able to do or be better at what they do than before. Set them goals. Help them to be able to say, by the end of the week, this is my target, and I've been able to achieve it. And incrementally, it will boost their confidence and belief in themselves, and they will be able to do so much. Now, I want us to look at some of the behaviors that we need to be, uh, uh, develop for business development. Behavior one, decide with speed over precision. Now, there are people who are generally perfectionists. Before they take any step, they want to make sure the sky is clear, there is no forecast of any storm that is coming. They want to make sure that they have crossed their T's, dotted their eyes. they are just on point. But when you are dealing with situations in crisis times, you don't need all that. What you need is speed, because speed may be of essence as to whether the business fails, your career fails, or survives. It is not more about the precision as to what you do. I mean, if, if you are probably in your career, you want to probably change course. You want to move on to something else. You are probably in your mid-50s. You are thinking about and you are going to school. And I'm not, I'm not condoning you not learning or you not doing well, but you are thinking about getting A, 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 A. And, and, and so you get one C and it dampens your spirit. It weakens your resolve. And for months, you are unable to get over that paper that you got C in order to move on to do the better with the others. And by the time you realize you've carried over that anxiety and worry onto the next examination, onto the next assignment, and then by the time you realize everything is falling apart. You realize that at your age, what you need at that point is not AAA. All you need is to pass get a certificate, be able to transit from where you are to another place. You don't need someone who is much younger, who may be thinking of doing a master, doing a PhD, doing, needs the A at that because they are younger. They may need that certificate for longer. You look at your age, at that point, you need that certificate probably for just one opening in order to put your feet there and get some things accomplished. You don't need all the, you don't, everything that hasn't got to be perfect and fall in place. And sometimes in business it's the same. You don't need to wait till all the conditions are right. All the external environmental factors. Inflation is right. Interest rate is right. Exchange rate is right. Then you make your move and say that now everything is going to be. No, sometimes you just have to move as quick as possible. The second thing that we have to look at is to also be able to adapt boldly and quickly. Sometimes when things are not working, you have to throw away the playbook of yesterday. There are a lot of things that if you did probably pre-pandemic and you were a businessman or a businesswoman, you realize that now if you do it, it won't work. Pre-pandemic or probably a few years before then, people were not selling on Instagram. Instagram was for just pictures showing off your clothes and then telling friends the new shoes you've bought and all. But now people are doing business on Instagram. You can advertise on Instagram. So if you realize that even advertising in newspapers these days is not in vogue. How many, people, how many people read newspapers? If I ask you to raise up your hand right now, if you have read today's newspaper, whether it's a mirror, I don't know whether they still print spectator, but mirror, spectator, graphic, or whatever it is, do they still print PMP? <laughs> I, I, I am sure you won't get a lot of people because you can get all the information. I don't remember the last time I bought a newspaper because I have a ping on my phone where every breaking news from CNN, from, from uh, Daily Mail, from uh, Telegraph in London, every, it just comes ping. 
And I click, breaking news. I read it, finish. I put the device somewhere. I don't have the time to go and, and then the obituaries, then the, all the adverts and the change of names. Who has the time to do all those things these days? Nobody has the time to do those things. So if you use the playbook of yesterday, I'm doing a business. I just want to have a big signboard and, 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 and an illuminated signboard in front of my When people are passing by those, and you sit in that uh, office, you sit in that shop, you will sit down to become a statue. Because your colleagues may be advertising on Instagram, wearing their clothes by themselves and turning around and, and showing all parts. And people will be ordering and be giving their staff to dispatch riders to take to them in their homes and collect their money and bring it back to them. And you will sell nothing. So you have to adapt. When the, change, when the time changes, you need to also make sure you change to go with it in order to make impact. You also have to reliably deliver. Economic downturns, difficult situations does not mean diluted service. Doesn't mean diluted product. It doesn't mean diluted commitment to your career. Things may be difficult, but sometimes, you see, it's in difficult times that we can actually know the real you. Your bosses will know whether you really mean to do this career and, and succeed at what you do, or even your business, whether it succeeds or not. It is often said that you can only get the flavor of tea when the tea bag is put in hot water. So, good, and I'll give you examples of organizations that in spite of economic downturn, they were still able to make it and make it big. And I've shown you some statistics based on economies and all that, right? But I'll show you a bit more, more specific to how certain organizations in the midst of economic downturn were able to turn their businesses around and make a lot of money. But you have to be reliable in delivering. And you have to set yourself priorities. Uh, some will set themselves what we call the key performance indicators to be able to identify whether they are actually performing based on their own metrics. You know, you're a small business. You don't need all these big, big words. Set yourself. Have a book. Write it down. This week, I want to be able to sell 10 clothes, 10 shoes, 10 days, and then mark against it what am I, how am I going to achieve it. Maybe I need to get three dispatch riders. Maybe I need to put on this advert and then just do it. And then when you are done, because they are all measurable, you'll be able to tell whether indeed you were able to do this, do that, or you were not able to do them as it is. Again, engage your team. If you have, especially you have a business and you work with people, it can even be a family business where the people you work with are from the family. You need to engage with them. Take a personal interest in the lives of those people. Sometimes the reason why one of the things that I realize it's, it's, it's a cultural thing, is that when someone owns a business and employs people and is working with them, usually we don't take care of our workers. We see them as, I pay you, you do what I ask you to do. Just do the job. But it's not supposed to be like that because sometimes when you treat these people very well, in the end you, 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 you gain because they tend to pass on that same good treatment to your customers. Richard Branson once said something. He said that I don't care about my customers. Because I know that when I treat my employees right, they will treat my customers right. So my focus is on my employees. Make sure they are okay. All the things that they need is provided for them. They are happy. If they are happy, they will show happiness to their customer. I've been to shops where you go into a shop, you are standing by a device or something you want to buy, and then people are just walking about. And someone can actually walk, oh, hello, sir. How may I help you? Oh, not really. I'm just window shopping, looking at this. And they will tell you, oh, a friend of mine bought one of these devices. Please don't buy this one. <laughs> don't buy it. Oh, you haven't, you haven't experienced it before? Oh, no, this one, don't buy it. Sister, but your mentor, we are here. So engage with, because if they are not happy, they will run you down in ways that you will never know they are running you down. They will, they, will, they will suck all your cars. When they come, sometimes I wonder, one of the things that in Ghana generally, the only exception is 2008, I came around, I wanted to exchange my British uh, driver's license for a Ghanaian one. I went to DVLA where they do that. The way they served me, I had a different perception of Ghana because I have been, been to Ghana, I think, about two years or so, and I came, and it was excellent. I got there, hello, sir, how can, you, how can I help you? I said, I came to exchange, all right, just sit here. Then another one came, do we offer you Milo, hot chocolate, whatever. I, I, I was so pampered, I was, I was like, oh my goodness, am I in Ghana?
DVLA, around the ridge, ridge area. Is there a premium service? Ah, uh, what, what, whatever it is. <laughs> I, was, I was so excited. I said, oh, goodness. I, I feel so good. And, and I've said this in places. Within 45 minutes, they have taken my biometrics. 45 minutes, they brought me a small brochure with my driver's license on. Oh, I was so excited. I said, where else can I get this kind of service? Am I in Ghana? But I've also been to places. Where when you get there? But your bra out of there. But your watch it. But your in close four person. You're in terms of better atona. Because they are not happy. You go to some of these countries when you are going to buy. They pamper you like you are their uncle's best son. And it's not, they don't know you from anywhere. You know why they are pampering you? They know you have some money in your pocket that potentially you want to spend. They want to get that money. They'll do everything for you. They'll call you a kind of, you are a star. Oh, my darling. Oh, what am I do for you? Oh, such a gentleman you are. Your head will be getting bigger, bigger, bigger. By the time you realize you've reached into your pocket, you've pulled the credit card. You never thought you use it. Then you swipe it. When you swipe it, then they give you the, then now it, it, reality don't show. You say, yes. I spent money I didn't want to spend. But someone has used his or her customer service, has gotten the thing out of your pocket. Engage your team. Make them happy when they are happy. They will let your business move forward quickly because of time. How do you strengthen your business when it's in crisis? Number one, prioritize your customers. Sometimes when your business is struggling, when there is an economic downturn, I'll come to that, but be a, a little bit innovative. You don't have to have a sophisticated system in place. Develop a customer loyalty card. It can be a card that can be punched with just an ordinary manual puncher. Oh, sister, wait here, so some baby must say, you are debut, you are ten times the next time Ubenya 70% free. Even if they don't need it, are they free? They will they will make sure within a short time they will come there ten times. And you know by the metrics of your business, if they come there ten times, what 70% you are giving them may not even be two percent or ten percent of your overall profit for everything you've sold. So why not? But we will sit there and then they dream you, Ghana cry thing. You sit there, people are selling. The last time, last year when I was in Ghana, I went to China more on the Sprinters Road. And the kind of people that were there. And yet you hear people complaining. So those people who are lifting staff from China more are in the queue waiting to pay. Where did they get the money from? Where did they get the money from? So those people, when you say Ghana, they don't even know. And understand the, that kind of language because they are selling. So you have to find innovative ways of going out. Give your customers what they want. Without customers, you don't have a business. And customers have a specific need. If you don't give to them what it is they want, they won't come to you. You are, now we don't say seamstress or tailor. We say fashion designer. You sew a trousers, one is slightly longer than the other. You think the person will come again the next time? No. You even can't even align buttons. One is slightly 50 millimeters shifted to the other side. I say, oh, Bram, but you are there now. Oh, and you want them to come again, and then they sober, and then you come and tell them, OBM. You buy your own fabric, you go to a tailor or a fashion designer to sew you a dress. You know you are size 16. Then the person makes it 17 and a half. Oh, 
and then when you wear the dress after I'm on your cashier, then you realize that you don't look the way, you don't look confident because you feel there's something wrong with it. And then eventually you are unable, you spent money on the thing, but you're unable to use it. So treat your customers well. Make your customers a priority because they are the ones that are going to give you the money. If you realize that you have a customer service agent or advisor or whoever at your workplace or in your business who is not treating customers well, redeploy the person and give the person another job to do because their place is not there. They will drive away your customers. Without your customers, you can't get the money. You can't make the sales. You don't have revenues. You don't have, eventually won't have a business. So treat your, let your customers become your priority. Adapt to your products and services to be able to suit your customers' need. The third point is to develop a practical marketing strategy. Like I said earlier, now there are certain marketing strategies that does not work. So you realize that even for the last 10 years, books that have been written on e-commerce and all, you read them, you realize that large portions of them are obsolete because the, the, the playing field has shifted. Now people are selling stuff on Instagram, on Facebook, on Snapchat. People are doing uh, TikTok and selling stuff on TikTok, making money. No one has the, uh, in those days in the UK, you go to shops and they have brochures where they advertise stuff that they'll have the next month and all those things. All of them are stopping. Gradually, you go there, they are still printing because they want to face it out gradually. You go there, you won't find them sitting there like that and people pulling and taking them home to go and check what is coming next week, next month. No. You go there and it's just like that. A few people pick and it's gone because they realize that. People would rather want to see those things advertised online, on TikTok. Where, so they advertise where they think a lot of people are spending more time. So develop a practical marketing strategy. Communicate your competitive advantage. Whatever product that you are selling, make sure you are talking about the advantage that it brings to the customer and what is unique about that product or even the career. You choose a career, someone asks you, what do you want to be? I want to be a doctor. Why do you want to be a doctor? You can't even say a thing. It means that you are not ready for it. Because that will be your competitive advantage. You are selling yourself. You should be able to say, I want to be a doctor because one, two, three, four, five. At least because you want to show that whatever you are doing, there is some uniqueness about it. All right. Three, the way you manage your staff. And I won't, I won't spend my time on this at all. Because one of the things that I realize, especially in Ghana, is that someone employs someone as a receptionist. In the afternoon, the person becomes a manager. The person serves the person lunch. The, the person is everything. What kind of business is that? So you don't understand if at some point they steal your money or they go out and badmouth your business to the places you send them to to go and buy you the food. Hey, now, Sister Nesuaba. And my madam do hard you, but your zoominum moon pick a crow because madam don't have a cry and the cry, but your faca crack over. And now madam so cry and one or small small where we are, and I was who cry a damn ho. I see me a reception. Now reception is where then I bet you can carry. Now it's got gobe. They've given it a nice name too. We, we need to be able, if I employ the. If you need gobe in the afternoon, go and buy your gobe. Come and eat it quietly. Don't employ people and give them extension of responsibilities that was not part of their job description at the time of employment. When you do that sometimes, they won't tell you because they don't want to lose their job, but they don't like it. And they will bow mouth you and bow mouth your business when they get every opportunity elsewhere. And you will never know. You won't understand why, oh, this customer is no longer coming. Why? Because someone within your space had said something that has demoralized them and discouraged them from coming into your business. So manage your staff very well. Treat your staff very well. If one of the things that we all learned from the pandemic is that when it hit and we are all at home, we realized that, oh, so many things that we didn't think we could do online, we were doing online. Some of us were teaching online. And even now, a lot of, in the UK, a lot of investors still do the blended learning because some of the disadvantages that happened, and I'll tell you, I'm um, social media about saying, some of the investors, because they were, um, they were admitting students, and because it was online, they didn't need space for the students. They, um, they admitted a lot. Now, pandemic is over. 
everything must go back to normal. They don't even have space to contain their students because people are at home, a lot of people are also bored. So whilst I'm home, I don't know how long this will go. Let me get onto this degree program and they will apply and they will admit them. They will admit them. Now they have, ad they have admitted more than they have space to contain. So blended learning is still there. are People who do their lecture at home and will travel to campus to go and do their seminars or workshops. And even that sometimes, some of the workshops, they have to do them at home as well. And they blend it in, other, in the way that they give some, everyone at least some kind of experience of coming to campus. But they have, they have admitted too much. So the point I'm making is that because of the pandemic, there were new ways that were developed in doing things that we never thought it was possible. If you realize that your staff was able to stay at home and still work effectively, think about how you can possibly blend that. If it was possible, you didn't lose any money, work was done effectively. Why not blend it? Where I work in the UK in the financial district, and that is where the campus I work on is based. You have Credit Suisse, you have uh, HSBC, you have all the uh, headquarters of these big financial institutions. A lot of them are empty now because they realize that our staff was working well. We haven't lost anything. Why do we have to bring them? And some of them, people are resisting to come because they are comfortable. There are people <laughs> that during the pandemic, mistakenly, some people's camera will fall from their PCs and they'll pick and they realize that they are in suit and tie, but they were in boxer shorts. Because they were seated behind desk, and it was just their portrait that was showing. And then their camera falls to the ground, they realize that they are just in boxer shorts and suit and tie. But people have become comfortable. And if they are working well, then why change it drastically in order to, then what is going to happen is that people are now going to look for jobs where it is online-based. And there are a lot of jobs like that as well. So make sure you are doing that. Then the last thing that I'll talk about with regards to the strengthening your business is build networks. Build networks. Sometimes you realize that in an economic downturn, it can be useful to understand um, how other businesses are coping. If you don't get connected, you would never know what others are doing so effectively that is benefiting them. So I'll, I'll give you an example. Do you think that these airlines don't have business sense that they join what we call the Star Alliance? And it is hundreds of airlines across the globe. They belong to that Star Alliance. So for instance, British Airways, Iberia, which is a Spanish airline, and uh, I think I've forgotten the other one. They have a strategic alliance. KLM, Air France, Kenya Airways, they have a strategic alliance. KLM will fly on a particular day to Kenya, and they go to Kenya. On particular days, they won't go to Kenya because Kenya Airways flies. There are times that I've come to Ghana, I come with KLM, I leave with Air France but I bought the ticket on the pages of KLM. And all that happens because they know, they share. You go to some place in airport, you realize that uh, these tunnels that people go through to get into the plane and out of the plane and all that, it belongs to one particular company. But because of the strategic alliance they have, they all share it and use it. And they pay each other. They share ideas that will make them stronger against common competitors. But you realize that some of us, will do, you, it's difficult to have African people build business and say, oh, let's come together and do something. They will fight over money. They will fight over whose uncle built the first abrosine in their village. They will fight over things that are not even important. And because of that, you have a lot of scattered businesses without the strength it takes to withstand economic downturn. So when the, the wind blows, a lot of them go down. The other time I was thinking, there may be, but I don't know. I said, how many companies in Ghana? And what struck me was that I drove past a funeral home that has been around in that particular part of the UK since 1844. Funeral home, 1844. And, and it hit me as, ah, so can we have even a business in Ghana that is 100 years old? I doubt there may be, I don't know, I haven't conducted the research. So I, I'm only speculating. But it just hit me. Do we have anything like that? Is it possible? Why? Because everybody wants to do it alone. So that when I succeed, they'll say that I'm a big man, I'm a big woman. But you realize that businesses that collaborate work together. You may not have to put all your capital together. You may just, strategic alliance means that maybe this is all the business we are running. 
we don't have very good business, uh, sorry, customer service. The other business does very good customer service. Or we don't have the necessary logistics to be distributed. So there's a company that has a, a courier vans or uh, motorcycles that can do their job. You partner with them. People buy. They take over the delivery of the product. And you, you enter into an agreement with them. They do it very well because they are your customers. And equally, they are customers. And you share the responsibility. You make your money. They make their money. Everybody is happy. Everybody goes away. Because if you probably add the planning of delivery to your business, you may not be able to deliver effectively. You may have too much on your head to be thinking about, oh, the customer says the delivery didn't arrive on time. And then, and then you are trying to fight problems here and there and all that. But you can, and it's not just outsourcing because the people must understand what you do and be equally uh, uh, responsible for what they are able to deliver. Let me quickly, quickly talk to you about how some companies made you through the crisis, how they did it. And I'll give you a few examples. The, the slides will be available. You can take advantage of them. Lego. It's not, it's not an essential. When we talk about Lego, these are these plastic blocks that they can use to build houses. They can, and children love it. In 2000, 2000, between 2007, 2009, they experienced profit of about 63%. They made profit of about 63%. You know how they did it? At that time, it was at the peak of the recession. They entered new markets. They went elsewhere and did business. They did it in Asia, opened new outlets in Asia, and in some parts of Europe, consolidated what they already have, their stores they have, gave customers wonderful experiences to keep their customers. Is there a coas? Do you have to pay anything if you have to do business in Togo? in Cote d'Ivoire, in Nigeria, even if you have to pay something because of the, it's an economic trading block, I believe that it will not be like traveling to somewhere else beyond the block to do business. You sell in Ghana, they are not selling. Go somewhere else and do the business. Jim Rohn once said something. He said, if you are somewhere doing business and you are not succeeding or you have a career, you are not succeeding. After all, you are not a tree. Move. You're not a tree. Trees are planted, and when they are planted, they can be there for the rest of its lifespan. You are not a tree, so move. Company number two, Groupon. I don't know whether any of you know Groupon. Groupon is a company. I used them whilst I was coming, and I will tell you what I did. What they do is that they negotiate with companies for discounts on their services or products. And then when they get a discount, they sell the discount to customers. So when I was coming, for instance, I got a parking space at Heathrow Terminal 3. That was costing 120 pounds. So I went to Groupon to see whether I can get a discount to buy. So I went to this uh, Groupon, typed in Heathrow Terminal 3 parking. Then the cheapest I got was 124 pounds to park from Monday 16th to Monday 23rd to pick up my car at 12 o'clock. Then, how much does it cost? It was a 20% discount being sold for six pounds. So I paid them six pounds. Then they gave me the 20% voucher. Then I came onto the site of the company that is selling the space, put in the voucher discount number, and from 120, I got it for 96. So after all, I got how much? 24 pounds off minus the six I paid Groupon for, that coupon. And you know what they did? As far back as in 2008, even Google wanted to buy that company out for $6 billion. And you know why they succeeded even in the recession? And they didn't, they didn't sell their business. They didn't allow Google to take over. You know why? Because they were helping companies to sell their products and their services, and they were helping customers to get their products and services cheaper. Can't we do something like that? It's possible. It's possible. I was telling Pastor Eric the other time, one of the things that sometimes when you live abroad, they orient you. Sales and people be rushing. 
but there is no sales that a company does, the company loses money. It's not because in the, in the economies of scale, the volumes they sell. But what they are telling you is now being sold for 16 pounds, it used to be 30 pounds. The actual price actually is even below 16, the 16 pounds they are giving to you for sale. So 26 December is sales day. And I think the last Friday or the first Friday of October or November, uh, they call it Black, something, I forgot it, Black Friday. And people rush, go and buy, hey, I got the TV for 300. And sometimes when you come home and check, go onto the internet, check, go back, or you realize that the TV has been, was 300 six years ago. <laughs> last one, Intel. We know Intel. They deal internet of things. They provide PC solutions. If you buy a lot of computers, you see the sticker on it, Intel and all that. Powers, they, they provide the chips and all those things. They did something that was quite remarkable. What happened was that during the pandemic, no one was buying computers. Sorry, during the recession, people were not buying computers. This pandemic, a lot of because people were at home. In the UK, schools gave out free computers to students because they have to still study. So homes, people, did, the children who didn't have this, the council provided them. You go, you collect it, they'll post it to your house so the children can get on and all that. But during 2008, Intel was not selling any computers. Their cloud services, everything was not moving. All they did was just sit tight and wait. They could have said, oh, I'm giving up, I'm folding up. And it's a lesson. When you are running a business, you are leading a business, you have a career that hits the rocks or has difficult times, difficult moments, you don't fold up and give up. They just sat quietly. Now, if you check how much sales Intel made during the pandemic, to surprise you, how much money they have made. If they folded up and they gave up because, oh, things are tight for two years running, three years running, we are not even breaking even. We are unable to pay our staff. We are unable to, uh, what can we do? And sometimes we panic when we hit crisis. And when we fold up, we lose all the opportunities that could have accrued for us. All right. So I'll stop here. And uh, if there are any questions, that, that is it. Yeah, if anyone has any questions.